chopper gown, I ain't go to class. I rather die before I come in last. Welcome back, welcome back, family. This week we have another special episode for y'all. Season two, episode four. This week, on in case you missed it, we talk about the U of M email scandal, Biden's free COVID test, the new season of Euphoria, Kanye not being invited to his own daughter's birthday. And lastly, we give our condolences to Andre Leon Talley and the victims of the Bronx fire. For our primetime topic, I get to interview Jay this week, where he has no idea what questions I'm going to ask him. For our game, we bring back a fan favorite, Jay Sleepers. And then finally, Jay gives his last words. We hope you enjoy. This is the experience. And we're back. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're back. Uh, we actually just tried to record and uh, it fucked up, but now this is a re-recording. So, <laughs> how yeah. you feeling, bro? I am fine. I'm ready. It's funny because you're saying like before this, he's like, "Oh, like Jay, calm down. I got you. Like, like I should be nervous, yeah. right?" What's funny? What's actually kind of funny is that you should be nervous because I have some tea. And I'm gonna do it right here on the pod before we get into everything. Oh, okay. How you okay? Give me the tea, man. <laughs> Give me the tea. I'm ready. Oh I'm ready. my god. Hey y'all, for y'all that y'all don't, don't that don't know. Actually, let me just intro this before we even get started. Good right. morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. Whenever time you actually listen to this, we are the experience. I go by the name of D Allen, and I am with Jay Gooden. And this is us. Yeah, and we are your host this evening for season two, episode four, Jay's interview. <laughs> so last yeah. week, Jay interviewed me, um, a- a- asked quite a number of questions, um, some, you know, more lighthearted than others. Uh, but, you know, I answered them like a pro. So, you know, this week is Jay's turn for me to a- ask questions and for him to answer as truthfully as possible. So, yeah. man, are you ready for this? I am. I'm getting that same message again, but I guess it's fine because you can still hear me, right? It just uh, so I'm getting a message that says the video recording has run into a problem. You may need to reload. You can still see me, right? Yeah. Okay. Is there like a delay? Um, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Because what? Because what I'm hearing might not be at what I'm hearing might not be the same time as you said it. I but see. when I'm here, it doesn't sound like a delay. You know what's crazy? I just switched my internet to AT&T today, so this might be them. It might be some uh, bullshit. I left shitty-ass Spectrum. I can do Spectrum. No, I have Spectrum, too. Well, Columbus. It says you may need to reload, what? so I'm going to take may as in, like, you don't have to, and we'll just keep going. And then... If there's a problem, y'all won't get vid- y'all won't get my video this week. But okay, um, but okay. Before we get into everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let me drop this. Yeah, really whatever, quick, whatever. Because Darren, you really have me fucked up, and I'm gonna just. <laughs> okay, here we go. So, you guys know the experience. We have an Instagram page and a Twitter page, right? And I was on the Twitter page. No, no, I wasn't on the Twitter page. I was on the Instagram page, just looking through stuff. People follow the page all the time. Sometimes I like like people's pictures on there, you know, because we got to be an active page. And Darren's Finsta happens to follow the experience, right? And so he had posted on his story, and I was like, oh, like, oh, he posted something. Let me comment. But I'm like, no, 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 I'm on the experience page. Let me go to my Finsta and comment. And so I go into my Finsta. And the story is not there. 
So I just want to address you and let you know, <laughs> or, 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 or I, I want to ask you what the fuck that I do to get blocked from seeing your story on my Finsta. Like, what, what did I do? What the fuck? So <laughs> me and Jay had this combo before, but this happens a lot with people who have Finstas or close friends. Sometimes you take people out of close friends or even viewing your story so certain people can view your story. So, you know, I might not have put Jay's Finsta back on there because I might have been saying some freaky shit on my Finsta that I only wanted the girls. You, on you have me fucked up. That's all I'm going to say. You know? just, so, you I mean, know? like, what, what's the point? I mean, what's the point of you seeing that and you being like, oh, damn, I want to see this shit. Take this shit now, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you weren't the target audience. So, but good. Thank you but for letting for me know. You let me need to add you back. I haven't not, had any. What you posted was not. It was not that. It was no. But that's 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 what I did now. But I I must have did it a minute ago for something I actually posted that you know probably shouldn't have been seen by every Finsta follower I have. But but you know what I posted today wasn't you know crazy. So yeah, and I do need it to add you back. At least and I'm you saw just it looking. Already, so. I'm like, wait, huh? I can't. See- Huh. Oh, okay. Let me get his ass on air. I'm gonna just Yeah, no, no. People do that all the time. I don't know why it's such big news to Jay, but sometimes you cater your fence to your close friends certain in certain moments, certain stories for certain people or a certain group of people you want to see. And maybe I don't know, maybe that might just be a straight male thing because we're fucking whores. But you know, we do want to show everybody we'll show certain people certain things and everybody can't see that. <laughs> but look at you he tried to turn around on me oh this is gonna be a funny episode y'all because this nigga's over here nervous trying to trying to get anything he can to try to fuck me up even though this is his interview i'm fine <laughs> i'm okay i'm ready but look, all right, I'm about to get open started, book, so it's like you can't really get like about to get people started. try to throw wild cards at me but i am a wild card so it's kind of like it gets tricky there but you know <laughs> <laughs> Actually, before you get started, bro, what's going on with your mans? Who? You know who I'm talking about. Do I know who you're talking Tyler. about? Tyler, the creator. Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry is not my man. Perry. He is not my man. No, that's that's your boy, though. No, no, you be I feel like, with his no, movie, no, no. I feel like I Darren is you. saying that because <laughs> Tyler Perry posted this photo once of him like in the gym. And call me crazy. I'm standing by this. I don't give a fuck. I saw that picture. I'm like, I might fuck Tyler Perry. I might fuck Tyler Perry. That picture was like, I don't know. It was a. I was also in a dark moment when I saw that picture. So, but I still stand by it. He looked really good. So that's why Darren is calling him my man's. But Tyler Perry's not my man's. And you see, and you see, he's paying homage to you know two artists that you hold near. One you really hold dear, Beyonce. You know, and you know (laughs) he got the Medea makeup on. He said doing something with Netflix, bro. I, I, I was bro we're we're all very very curious what the fuck this means and is this is this something netflix do you know i don't think so or is I this think just something just that around. he's bored he's bored yeah. oh my god see that's what i'm about to say netflix loki might be a little smart because you know they raised their prices hbo max lowered their prices so netflix need to try everything it can yeah. but anyway to get started with this episode in case you missed it uh, I do want to start off, uh, with, in case you missed it, with something a little more personal to me. Uh, for many of you that don't know, I am a graduate of the University of Michigan. And this weekend, it's a very interesting weekend for the University of Michigan. A lot has happened. Um, 
So in case you missed it, uh, shysty schlissel, uh, or scandalous schlissel, or shady schlissel, whatever you want to call it, uh, our president or former president now, Schlisselgate, our former president, uh, now former president, Mark Schlissel, um, he was fired for inappropriate relationship with an inappropriate for having an inappropriate relationship with a um faculty member. Um, and to top it all off, um, apparently he was sending emails on the Umish account to this individual where they, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't say names or anything. They referred to this individual as individual one and redacted a lot of the emails, but you can kind of see, you know, where his head was at. And it's actually kind of funny um, because the regents let 120 pages of all those emails out for the public to see. And boy, did you miss Twitter have a fucking field day? Uh, I was actually busy for when the story broke. Uh, but when I wasn't busy anymore, I got on Twitter, man, I saw all the jokes. I was all the late when the story broke. All, all the cooks must be nice, huh? But it was um nice. it was all the cooks nice. and all of that. And <laughs> <laughs> but all I have to say, man, but all I have to say seriously on a serious note, uh Schlissel, you deserve everything coming to you for this from these jokes, uh, from losing your job and your dignity. Um, regents hated you, students hated you, faculty hated you, staff hated you. And what's uh, crazy your response Schlissel, was abysmal. What's crazy about Slishel is he hates all of you motherfuckers back and stands ten toes on that. The audacity for it's always been the audacity toes. for me. Like he just literally is not trying to hide that he does not give a fuck about anybody or his job. He just doesn't care. So it's just always been that for me. No, yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. That's what I was about to say, man. His COVID response was abysmal. Um, during a time he op- he let in person classes happen during a time where that was the most foolish. I know a lot of y'all, the schools was laughing at us because our president we were. was like, "Fuck y'all, y'all niggas need to go to class, need to go to class, and all that shit." And I'm like, "All right, bro." Uh, when racial tension was happening on campus, and you had the Black Student Union and the NAACP marching up to your house, knocking on your door, asking you to do some shit about one of the most racist racist campus in the entire country, you did nothing. Nothing. He just said, "Let them eat." And not to mention the the, not to mention the sexual assault rampage that that is happening. That probably currently is still happening on the University of Michigan campus. You've also done nothing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I said, you deserve everything coming to you, President, former President Mark Schlissel. Um, you should be ashamed and good riddance. And Regents, y'all are not safe. A lot of y'all niggas are just as guilty as Mark Schlissel. For all of you that don't know, the Regents is the council, the governing council of the University of Michigan, and a lot of them have a lot of blood and a lot of dirt on their hands. Um, and shit is coming for you too. Period. That's all I gotta say. Fuck those. Well, I was gonna say fuck those niggas, but they not niggas. So, yeah. Fuck, fuck those wiggas. Fuck those wiggas. Yeah. All right. Fuck In niggas. case you missed it, uh, Biden administration is sending out free COVID tests. Um, they're free of charge. You get two tests, I believe. Um, and free shipping, all of that. I ordered two for myself, and um. Darren has ordered some. A lot of people have ordered it. I don't know if they're still available by the time you're hearing this. They should be. But um, yeah, free COVID test. Um, you just, I think you could just Google it. Somebody sent me a link and then I did it through the link. It's um, a website. Yeah, there's a website you can go to and you can get a free COVID test. What do you think about this? I think this is pretty, I think it's interesting. I'm questioning the um, accuracy of these tests. Like, 
And then also, is this to distract from the other bullshit that he has not accomplished? You know, I don't know. What do you think? Mm-hmm. We're so political this season. Huh? I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you can't help it, bro. When you black in this country, you can't help but be political. But um, part of me wants to. I don't know, man. I'm kind of conflicted like you. Part of me will, will want to clap it up for the Biden administration for actually doing something for once about this COVID surge. Well, COVID in general, but really this surge, especially with Omicron in the last two months. But no, I can't really give him that, man, because his his responses to COVID has been just as bad as Trump's, even though Trump it got COVID the tail end of his presidency and a lot was was more nuanced. Biden, you know, gives empty promises and he's yet to, to fulfill damn near any one of them, especially the COVID one. Um, so, yeah, these tests just seems more like a, a consolation of him trying to save his ass a little bit more than what him actually trying to do, because uh, to be honest, bro, we're still very much fucked. When you have it, when you have a, such a divided country with multiple restaurants, multiple uh, salons and clubs and bars still open, and then you got uh, the new CDC rules with the five days of isolation, and then if you yeah, exit the so matter, you can go dumb. out, bro. We're still pretty, pretty shitty. We're still pretty in the shit. We're still pretty much in, in the a shitty shitter. place. We are in the shitter here. We're in the shitter. There we go. And nigga you could have gave us these earlier like we're in year yeah, three. like where have these tests been at yeah, like no, that was my thing too i'm like they're just now sending these free tests like this is like this why didn't this happen at the beginning of the pandemic well our previous president we know why it wasn't a little bit different him. but yeah. when biden when you first got in like like it's about time like it, it's, a, it's a little too late now because omicron and delta have been killing people like in numbers huge numbers so mm. i don't know yeah i'm just really no yeah no you're right i don't know i'm just very skeptical. yeah man you know what the more fuck it i would say the We're more now. and i hate that it's a political thing but i would say that the more that i get older i realize that i'm not a democrat and that i am a liberal if that makes sense. Like, I'm a liberal person, mm. but I don't mm. necessarily feel like a Democrat all the time. Yeah. Oh, and that's a whole nother topic of conversation. But, yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you. But, yeah, let's 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 wait two months for these COVID tests to fucking arrive. Oh, yeah. They said you know they're going to arrive late to. January, but I feel like we just, it is late January. No, it's not. Sent out. It'll so be like, early March. It'll be damn. early March, y'all. So, yeah, if y'all expecting COVID tests, y'all would not be getting them bitches uh, as fast as y'all think. There's so many people ordering them. So, I don't know how but this I did it because it was bro, free bro. 99. So, I said, okay, might as well. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the only fucking reason for real. Yeah. But, all right. In case you missed it, Euphoria Season 2 is out. Critically acclaimed HBO starring Zendaya. Ah, I love her so much. And this show has a lot of buzz just because it is so extreme and out there um very like i guess some could say graphic also spoiler alert just in case um but it talks a lot about drugs abuse and how that manifests in the setting of high school and sex and i don't know for me personally i i'm gonna watch euphoria just because i'm a loyal fan of season one but this season two is crazy so many dicks so many sexual situations. I'm like, these kids are in high school. I feel like 
we were not as sexualized in high school when we were in high school. I don't know. Like, even, like, the outfits that they're wearing, like, there's, like, this whole, like, Twitter thing, like, oh, this is what I wore to class at Euphoria High. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Oh, no, man. I always say Euphoria would probably be slightly better if it took place in college, but I also say at the same time that it's hard to tell those stories in a college setting, even though you might think it's easy. I think being in high school is very pivotal for the story that they're trying to tell, uh, like you said about uh, minors abusing drugs. Not to say that, like, you know, college students, they're still young in the grand scheme, but they're not really minors at that point. At, like, by the time you're in college, you're already 18, you're legally an adult. But uh, for Euphoria to kind of display the trials and tribulation of drug abuse in the in minors, uh, you know, speaks to a bigger problem, you know, in, a, in society, especially America. But as for the show, um, the show, you know, I love the show. The show, the season one came out what twenty nineteen, so it's been three years since. That's since so se- fucking season long. One season oh my god! And they shot. In I a know, pandemic. right? In our and interest, they shot the whole season yeah. on film. Mm. Like, oh wow! It I didn't know that. Digital. They shot it on film. Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's dope. Yeah, you can kind of tell. Yeah, no, you, you like I said, Euphoria. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's one thing about Euphoria. The the, the cinematography is. Wow, it's amazing, bro. Like you can really it really personifies a scene. Like any scene with like the sometimes they they fuck with the the color gradient, sometimes they fuck with the angles that they're that they're hitting. Uh it, it's it's so many you know, I can't really describe this because I'm not a film student or you know, a filmmaker or anything, but the way they showcase it in the show, you know, enhances the story and enhances the stylistic aspect of Euphoria. And that's like a big thing in Euphoria, like like Jay was talking about the way they dress, the makeup, it was like a big thing in 2019. People would like do their own makeup in the style and the color scheme of Euphoria. But yeah, like the show in itself is crazy, man. I think this season is going to be better than the first one, man. Just based yeah. on these first two episodes. It already bro, is. But the it, it's a lot of it's shit. It's like a happen. lot of action that's already then happened. I'm like, oh shit. Like, I, I don't know where it's mm, going to go. Mm, but, mm, you know, anything with Zendaya yeah, attached so. is going to be great. So I'm not worried. Also, y'all, if you're noticing, I'm noticing it now. There is a little bit of, the, of a delay. I think that's because of this internet, On quite honestly. Um, so there's like a tad bit of a delay. But we're doing the best that we can with what we got in the words of Mariah Carey. So and we're going to make it work. Y'all going to see a finished product, you know. Exactly. Um, You'll yeah, see you know, a excited. finished project. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited to see where the season goes. This is like uh, the fir- one of the first shows of the year that I've been excited for. Um I know there's so many other shows coming up soon that, you know, me and you are both fans of that, you know, we're waiting patiently for. But this seems like this is going to be, I don't want to call it too soon because it's just January. It seems like this is going to be a good year for TV. I think it's going to be a good year for music too. But TV, especially, I think we're about to get like a, a bunch of good ass seasons this year. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, I'm about to be in the mix because it's my first pilot season. Your boy just took his professional headshots, so I'm I'm excited. Yes, this is gonna be good. Yes, sir. All right, what's oh, next? Yeah, no, we're that big time. Oh yeah, in case you missed it. <sighs> All right, man. I think I'm done talking about this nigga for about a month. Um, that's after I get through this, not likely. But- not likely, but okay. You know, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk about him but on the pod. I'm on the pod. I'm so sick of talking about this nigga. I'm not gonna hold you. You know, I love him. 
but <laughs> the nigga can get annoying. It's like an annoying sibling or an annoying cousin. Like you love them to death, but you tired of hearing the shit that they do. Yeah, like, you feel me? You just tired of hearing the shit that they do. But if you guys can't already tell what I'm about to bring in, in case you missed it, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, P. Davis, uh, Julia Fox, all this shit that's going on right now, um, has kind of culminated to a. I don't know. At a, it's, it's hit a point where I feel like very soon Kim is going to have to involve the police. I mean, and I'm only saying this because and I'm only saying this because of Ye's actions. And what I'm talking about specifically, there's a video going around of Kanye explaining, you know, his 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 problems um, seeing his children just regularly. And uh, this specific case, he wasn't given the address to his daughter Chicago's birthday party mm-hmm. and, you know being a dad and I'm saying being a dad like I'm a fucking dad but <laughs> but I feel like being a dad especially if you're in, if you're a dad in a, in a broken relationship and you have like these you obviously as a dad you have a strong connection to your kids it hurts when you're not able to see your kids and you're not able to to be that father because at I think she turned four right yeah and that's a very impressionable age uh you grow up or they, they'll grow up and she'll think that you know daddy was never around if you don't show up to like birthday parties and shit like that that just gets ingrained in your subconscious and i know kanye doesn't want that and i know he he has right intentions that he wants to be with his family but when you do things like buy a house across the street from your ex-wife and you make a song with the game and you talk about beating her new niggas ass how are you surprised that you're not getting invited to a birthday party bro you might just pop off seeing a nigga yeah and like, then you also, just might pop off seeing a nigga and then i also heard too that kim's camp said there were supposed to be two separate birthday parties so she had one and he had one planned for her so that was why he did not get the address that's what you know that's what's going around um and then also yeah, I it was so over funny over. that he was like i asked tristan to ask chloe i'm like tristan's still talking to chloe what the fuck what so that yeah. was that was oh bro we talking about this come on bro i told you man chloe, i didn't told you like more for yourself please please girl want more because no no sorry no but yeah no, i know no 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 sometimes you just can't I, help it so here's how i Go feel ahead. i feel like he should not i don't know I, I don't know what to believe but from the stuff that has been coming out when the situation was just where it was oh i didn't get the address to the party that's kind of bold because it's like you should you should not mm-hmm. keep a father away from his children like that's not fair children should never be used as pawns and whatever is going on between the parents. Cause that doesn't have anything to do with the children and that should not affect his relationship with his children, especially if you know, he wanted to be there. However, the fact that if there was an agreement that there would be two parties, I feel like that's kind of manipulative on Ye's part because it's like, you're trying to make it seem like, Oh, like she's keeping them, but like you guys already had an agreement. So I really truly don't know what to believe. Um, who really knows is Kim, Ye, and the good Lord. And I hope that they figure it out because I'm tired of talking about them too, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm tired of hearing about this shit, man. That's that's all I got to say, man. Prayers out to to Kim, the babies, uh, shit to even Pete. And, you know, I sh- and, you know, Jay knows I shit on Pete every now and then because- For I no fucking reason. For no reason. For no reason. Well, n- 
I mean, for no reason. The reason, the reason, no, the the reason is mostly because it, his talent. I don't think he's that talented. But can you do it in he my does? head? I also are you on SNL? Can you do that? See, he's a he's a real he's a real Pete uh, lover for real. He's a real Pete lover. That he's never talked about Pete Davidson other than this year, That's and now he's like the biggest. True. Pete Davidson. I love Pete. Anyway, anyway, anyway let me finish what I have to say. Go ahead. Let me finish what I have to Go say. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I do have sympathy for Pete Davidson though. Because as the new nigga or as the 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 guy that just, you know, want to be in a new relationship with somebody new, you get kind of caught up in the crossfire of the old nigga. And if the old nigga is Kanye West, it he's erratic, you know, he's manic a lot of the times and he just does things that he wants to do. And him making songs about, you know, beating his ass, you know, he probably thinks that's the coolest shit ever. But at the same time, he's probably also a little bit frightened just about what could happen. He had to so you know, I don't blame him for that. Too. Like, I think Pete's a good person. I think Pete's a good person. I don't think he's a bad guy. Like my my issues with him is just strictly like entertainment value. But as a person, I think he's a great person. So I don't think he deserves any of this shit. But neither does Kim, and neither do the babies. And I hope Kanye can just move on, man. Or he can find a way to be amicable, amicable with Kim, be there for his kids, and move on romantically. Because Julia Fox is not the one you're going to be with, bro. Pete Davis is probably not the one that she's going to be with. Where nigga. did she come like, from? Here's, I, I hate to say this. I'm not trying to be rude. Julia, I'm, I'm sure you do amazing things and flowers to that. But how, where did she come from? I feel like she just came out of nowhere. And everybody's like, oh, my God, I'm this sorry famous this actress, man. Julia Fox. I did not know she existed at all until Kanye was dating her. Not to say that Kanye made her a thing, but who is she? Who are you? Who are you? What? You know that scene in WandaVision where they're like, Up and- who are you? Who are you? Like, who is she? <laughs> I don't know this woman. I have no clue. Like, I don't know who Julia Fox is. I know she was in a couple movies and she used to be Pete Davis's ex. So trying to think and try to put myself in Kanye's brain, I can kind of see why he chose her specifically oh you know i'm done talking about this like i said i'm not talking about this nigga again until that netflix documentary comes out i'm sorry to that netflix documentary comes out where they give you a trilogy of his life and all three phases of his life will be the next time i talk about kanye west y'all hold me to that all right i'll hold you to it all right perfect (laughs) and then moving on (laughs) <laughs> moving on in case you missed it uh we do want to give our condolences um and to, uh, to andre leon tally who was the vogue editor at large uh he passed away january 18th which is yesterday for us but it'll be a few days by the time you guys listen to this um yeah he was he was the first african-american male creative director at vogue he was a award-winning journalist very prominent um in the fashion scene and uh and then periodical scene too because obviously he's yeah. a journalist but Vote. yeah you know rest in peace prayers out to his family yep family and friends um definitely tragic i think it was from covid too or no it was complications from covid and he was i think he died at 70 sorry so i don't i, don't, I can't like i don't quote me on that but 72 years old uh he passed um and yeah definitely rest in peace yep uh and then also we want to give our condolences to the victims of the brooklyn fire um 
the or sorry, not Bron the not Brooklyn, but the mm-hmm. Bronx fire. Um mm-hmm. we want to give our condolences yeah. to those the people whose lives that that claimed. Um it's just really tragic. So many tragic things have just been happening just for no reason. And it's really sad um in general when someone passes, but when it just when it's like something that is like a freak thing like a fire like that's just it's just really just heartbreaking and so we just want to give our condolences and prayers to those families of those victims that that fire did claim yep high-rise fire in an apartment complex took the lives of 17 people and nine children um so yeah like jay said uh prayers thoughts and prayers heart my heart is definitely uh to the families of uh the victims people affected by that bronx fire is definitely a tragedy yeah yep yep all right is it time my guy my guy jay's interview we're at the prime time y'all prime time the main topic of today's episode and now jay gave me questions and i'm gonna give him some too ah so how you feeling, man? Again, I got to ask you before I really delve deep into these questions. I do want to ask you, it's your mental state right now. How's your day? How's your day, bro? Let me just hear that. Um, So I'm feeling fine now. Today was actually pretty fucking frustrating. So if you guys don't know, I work. I'm not going to give specifics because if my boss hears this, I'm going to get fired for saying this. But <laughs> I work in the contact center for a bank. We won't name which bank. And my job is to help clients. And sometimes the particularly older clients, it can be frustrating because they don't know how to use the technology. And I just feel like I have to teach them how to use the technology and then also how to use our interfaces. So that was a bit frustrating. Then I also got calls from people being very rude. Then I got new internet today. Um, and I tried to cancel my old one with Spectrum. And these motherfuckers would not ca- just cancel my shit. I'm like, just cancel it. They're like, but we have this deal and we have this. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. The new internet is here and installed. Cancel my fucking internet. Do it. Stop asking me questions. And I felt <laughs> bad going off on them and being Rambo because I get it. I work in a contact center. That's your job. But I even told them, I'm like, I look, I know this is your job. I know you have to ask me this, but I'm just asking you. I have stuff to do. Just just cancel it. And they kept fucking going. So then I have to be an asshole. And I felt bad, but it is what it is. But I'm doing great now. I'm, I'm doing my, my podcast with my best bro. And, you know, we're living. We're enjoying life. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. We're lit. We're lit. We're lit. Okay, that's good. It seems like you had a lot going on. But overall, pretty good day, right? Pretty yeah. good day. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get started, man. Um. These first couple questions are pretty basic, you know, just just give us a little insight, you know, just nothing too, you know, crazy yet, you know, kind of want to ease you into it. So, oh, I see okay. you doing my technique. All right. Okay. All right. No, you got to get, you know, it, it, it makes sense. You got to ease people into it. If I just come out and just say, ah, you're going to be like, what the fuck? I'm like, let me give you a little timeline. I just want to give the viewers, I want to give viewers like a better timeline of you. So I know, you know, a lot of these questions I do know. I kind of do know the answer to, but you know, everybody else doesn't. But yeah, okay. First question. Jay Gooden. <laughs> For the viewers that don't know, people who aren't who are listeners, viewers and listeners who don't know you personally, 
I know you got a lot of friends, you got some family that listen, but to the viewers that may know me more and don't know much about you, mm-hmm. um, give give them some insight about you. Like, tell us more about, tell us about your upbringing. Tell us about your family, your childhood. Like, how did you how did you grow up, and why why are you the way that you are now? Definitely. So, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, just like Darren. Um, I. Mm-hmm. For my early childhood, I was on the east side of Detroit and then toward like second or third grade. Can't really remember. Moved to the west side. So I've been on both sides. Got love for all sides. This whole west side versus east side. It just is so funny to me. I don't understand that. But yeah, um, grew up with both my parents. They both were Christian. So I grew up in a very Christian household, non-denominational, of course. And then uh, my parents later became ministers. So this is a... PK right here, preacher's kid, uh, <laughs> which is so funny because the preacher's mm-hmm. kids end up being so far from what they are. The wildest, as, literally, wild. and I'm pretty wild. I'm pretty wild, I would say. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I grew up in a very like we had principles, and it was and and I keep I hold some of those principles, those Christian values to my life to this day, regardless of like how I might feel about the religion. Um, There are still uh, Christian principles that I hold very valuable to my life today. Um, I have, well, I grew up like in my early childhood, it was me, my little brother, my big sister. Um, My big sister has a different mom than we do, but that's my sister. People do that like whole half sibling shit. We never did that. That's my sister. Um, black people don't. Yeah, black people don't do that. Like, I've never heard a black person say, oh, that's my half sister. What? Um, so, yeah, I have a big sister and then little brother. And then later on, when we were on the West Side, got another little brother. Um, and so, yeah, there's four of us all together. And I don't know, my parents, they're very smart individuals. And so they raised us to be smart individuals. They did not play that when it came to school. We had to be on our P's and Q's. My mom actually was a math major, so I'm really good. Well, not now, but when I was in school, I was really good at math. I hated math, but I was good at it because my mom is a math major. Um, and then my dad is really good at arts, and um, he really taught me a lot about like activism and like you know, that's where I got a lot of my activism roots. I would feel like from my dad. Um, and my mom too. My mom was woke, but do people say woke anymore? I feel like they don't. But anyway, yeah, I got a lot of those principles from them and, you know, they did not play that. Like I, I remember getting on punishment because I had a C. They would like take my phone and be like, well, once these grades get up, then you can. So yeah, I, 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 they were strict, but not too crazy strict. Like my parents were the black parents that did not fucking play that. But They were always very loving and, you know, they always gave love. And I think that's the reason why I have such a big heart is because of how I was raised and how I saw my parents with me and like with just strangers, like just such open hearts. And I, you know, credit that to them. So, yeah. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. That's dope. Okay, so you mentioned that you are a brother, um, specifically an older brother. Yeah, I do know you're. Both of your younger brothers, cool as hell. Um, but I want to ask you, man, how did how was that for you being? I know you have an older sister, but it's different, and it's different being an older brother to 
other other boys like you feel me um i know it's i know i only have a little sister um so it's a little bit different for me but i kind of want to know how do you feel being an older brother to your little to your two younger brothers like having to take that role model role uh for them so they can like you know look up to you what's crazy is like (laughs) this is gonna sound wild but I didn't even realize that, like, my brothers looked up to me that much until, like, I got to college and, like, I was away from them from long periods of time. Um, Because, I don't know, Mm -hmm. me and Liddy are close in age. Liddy's my brother right under me. We're close in age. So, I really honestly didn't feel like I was, like, oh, role model. Like, it was was more so, like, when our parents left, I was in charge because I was older. But, like, we really are in the same generation. I'm only two years older than him. So it didn't really feel like I was his older brother. We felt more so like equals, but when Amir was born, that's when it was more so like, okay, you're this older figure and you have to like, kind of like show him. Sometimes I felt like a second parent almost a little bit. I I feel like every like older sibling feels that way, but, um, and just like showing him what to do and like how to be. And I don't know, like I said, I didn't even realize like the, how much he looked up to me until I got to, co- well, both of them until I like was not in the home a lot. And honestly, like it's kind of rewarding. Like it, and it's also like nerve wracking at the same time. Cause it's like, I have made mistakes and I don't want them to make the same mistakes that I have made. So I am glad that I can like impart some of the wisdom from that and be like, Oh, like, don't do this. This is how, but um, I don't know. I just, it's just something that was a late realization. And then like for Amir, Amir's the, uh, I don't, so in any family, the oldest and the youngest, even though my sister's the oldest, but the oldest and the youngest in the household are always at each other's necks. Me and Amir gives me the most trouble and I give him the most trouble. Cause I feel like we're both very different. Even like when it comes to our Zodiac signs, he's an Aries or I'm an Aries and he's a cancer. Aries and cancers do not mix. Like this is just like, you know, this is pure nature. So but I love I love the shit out of him. And I feel like it's another thing, too, where I feel like I've had to learn patience as an older brother just because he is a kid. And it's nice seeing him growing up and like him being able to like have conversations with me and like do that type of thing. So, yeah, I hope I answer that question. I don't know. I feel like I rambled all over. But, yeah, <laughs> no, you answered it. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot to it, man. Being being that role model for your older brothers, man. And it's cool. Cool as hell. Shout out to Liddy and Amir. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, moving on. So me and you, we met at Renaissance High School. Yes, yes. <laughs> Back in 2012. Woo, this is like ninth grade, man. And we were in yeah. Spanish together. And shout out then, to you know, Hines. me and you, shout we, we picked Hines. it. Shout out. Shout out to Miss Hines. Oh, shout out to everybody in that in that class. Also, I do not I remember what say, hour we were I want to say back to the, like the other grades point. Uh-huh. I had the highest grade in that class out of everybody. I did. Remember when we did the like award thing or the, the points yeah, thing? You hold on there that. was this one kid, his name was Mataruba, I think. And he got so pissed that I like beat him. But I'm like, come on, I'm a good engineer. I'm going to have the highest grades in this bitch. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, see, you see how competitive this nigga is. But holding it for 10 years, uh, that's crazy. That's got to be a record. Um, but yeah, uh, after Renaissance, man, nigga just went up and left. Man, we was cool, bro. Ninth grade, and then in tenth grade, rolled around. This nigga leave, you know. Luckily, you know, I kept in contact with Jay. I asked him, bro, what, 
the hell, bro? What's going on, man? Aren't you, you know, you there, blah, blah, blah. He tell me this nigga go to Cranbrook now. I'm like, <laughs> Cranbrook? For those who don't know or people who aren't in Michigan, Cranbrook is a very, 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 very bougie school. Yeah. Very high class, too. You know, you know the, the education, the the shit that they teach at Cranbrook, you know, a little bit different than you might get at like a, a DPS, in a regular DPS school. But Cranbrook has its own campus, has its own guess culture has its own vibe to it that's completely different from renaissance and you know you like to mention renaissance because a lot of your friends from renaissance and you love to mention msu because you msu but i feel like you you kind of you kind of be pushing cranbrook to the side a little bit even though that was like you know three years (laughs) of your life you feel me you know a lot of people don't know like well four years of your life actually uh but a lot of people besides me and like your close friends don't really know the shit that you you know you've been through in cranbrook so you know (laughs) I just wanted to ask, like, how was your experience at Cranbrook? What were the pros? What were the cons? Like, oh, we're getting into how did it. How do you feel moving Renaissance <laughs> to Cranbrook? <laughs> we're getting into it. Okay. Um. <laughs> so yeah, my ninth grade year. So first, I just want to re- rewind back to like eighth grade. I'm surprised I still remember this because my memory is becoming shit as I get older. But eighth grade. Um, we took a field. Well, it wasn't just eighth grade, but like we in middle school and in elementary school, we will always take field trips to Cranbrook's science museum. They had a science. That's how big this campus is. They have an arts museum and a science museum, but we always take trips to their science museum. And I just was, I loved it. I was always so fascinated. Shit. Darren's probably taking a field trip to the science museum because you either go to the one at Cranbrook Mm -hmm. or you go to the one, the, the Detroit one, Detroit one is sweeter in my opinion. Um, but we went and mm-hmm. my eighth grade year or no, it was seventh grade. I found out that they had a middle school or they had a high school at Cranbrook. I'm like, what? Like Cranbrook has a school. Like I could go to school here and like just fucking go to the science center. Like, dope. Okay. Meanwhile, like when I went there, I did <laughs> no not brain. go to the science center at a, at like Not a lot. It, it was very space mm-hmm. in between. But anyway, I was like, that would be so cool for me to like go to the science center here and like this be my school. So ever since eighth grade, it was my goal to always go to Cranbrook. But I didn't realize or the or understand the concept of private schools. And basically, I wasn't getting in without a scholarship. And um, my mom was like, if you figure out how to get a scholarship, then you can go. So I was looking around and there was this these programs. And so there's this trio program called Horizons Upward Bound. Shout out to Hub, Hub fam. Shout out to all of y'all. But um, <laughs> they gave a scholarship to Cranbrook. And I'm like, that would be really cool, like, if I got that scholarship. But, like, I wanted to do the program just because, like, it was really cool. I never really went in with the intentions of getting the scholarship or I never even thought that I would. Like, honestly, when I did that summer program, I was just doing it to do it. And, like, I can kind of forgot about the scholarship. And so then one day they were announcing the scholarships and they announced my name. I'm like, holy shit. Like I got a scholarship to Cranberry. Like this is happening. And it was just like, so Mm -hmm. exciting to me because I was like, wow, this is really manifestation. Like I've been manifesting this since the seventh grade. And like, now it's happening. Like it didn't happen Mm -hmm. how I thought it would happen, but it's going to happen. And so you better fucking believe that I took the opportunity. And it was really hard for me to leave Renaissance because like I said, I had friends at Renaissance, Darren being one of them. Darren was really close with me. Um, Lashante, shout out to you. I, I, I'm not going to name everybody, but those are the main two. The main two I kept in contact with. I still talk to to this day. But 
Um, it was really hard. I had plans for Renaissance too. My sophomore year, I had signed up for piano. I had auditioned for varsity choir and got in that bitch because the nigga got pipes. So it was hard, but <laughs> I was like, it's now or never. Like, let me just do it. And so I get there and I take their little placement test. And this is the first red flag. So mm. I get there, I take the placement test, and they're like, based off your placement test and comparing the curriculum that you have or that DPS had with our curriculum, you would probably not be as successful if you started a sophomore year. So if you get the scholarship, you have to start as a freshman. So they were telling me, mm. let me just run that back. Let me just explain. They were telling me I had to start mm. my freshman year of high school all over again, all over again. Mm. I just did freshman year of high school. What the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? So <laughs> that was really tough for me because it's like, wow, like this is what I've been manifesting. And it's really, and also the racist implications that that fucking had. That's a whole other story that we can get mm. into. Mm-hmm. but i'm like mm-hmm. i still did it though because i'm like it's now or never and at the end of the day like when when i get to college nope everybody finishes whenever nobody's really gonna give a fuck how old you are it was a little embarrassing while i was in high school not gonna lie but you know i was just a year older than everybody and i was like okay i can do this shit and i'm glad that i did because then i met cole and matthew and you know i love them motherfuckers so mm-hmm. yeah I met Darren's cousin, Jalen, you know, we're really cool. So I'm happy that I made the decision. I don't regret any decision that I made, but it did come with a lot. It was, I don't know, it it was tough. And so while I was at Cranbrook, there was like a bunch of different microaggressions, of course. And if you don't know what microaggression is, look it up. Um, But there are a bunch of them, like different things. like, And I didn't even notice it as a freshman. Um, cause I had like, my dad had like that activist in me, but like, I didn't, I wasn't really seeing that shit until like my sophomore year. I'll get into that. But I, I got, I would get a lot of the times like, oh, you're very well-spoken. And I'm like, why wouldn't that be well-spoken or, mm. oh, like <laughs> people assuming that I'm on scholarship just because I'm a black person, um, at Cranbrook and it's a bunch of white people. Um, there's this one girl, I'm not going to name names cause I'm going to spare her. Um, I could, this is, and I will say this too. There's a lot of instances at Cranbrook that a lot of y'all would lose y'all jobs if I exposed what type of shit y'all was into and that y'all are still into, uh, cause that shit translates into college. And some of these motherfuckers went to colleges with me, but I'm not, I'm going to spare, I'm going to spare you. I'm not that type of person. It is what it is. I'm learning in life not to take <clears throat> everything personal, but even the shit that's meant to be personal, don't take it personal. Um, karma's gonna get them, but yeah. Um, damn, I lost my point, but yeah, I, there a lot of microaggressions. <laughs> and so, my sophomore year, and, and before that, there's this group. Shout out to I know I'm jumping all over the place, but try to stay with me, y'all. Shout out to Shannon Moore, <laughs> Casey Coleman, um, Nia Hightower, uh, Jumi Jagaday. Those were my black big sisters at Cranbrook. Those were like my first examples of activism. They were the student leaders of that school. We had a group called 4A. It's similar to like a BSA or a BSU, but it stood for African-American Awareness Association. That was the group at Cranbrook. And when I joined that group and I was actually scouted out by Shannon. So shout out to you, sis. Um, 
when I was scouted by that group, that's when I first saw like the shit that they were protesting. I was I was opening my eyes and then my eyes were really open my sophomore year. I went to this leadership conference. It's called the Student Diversity Leadership Conference. And that was the first time that I learned about like what a microaggression is, what intersectionalities are. I learned all of that stuff. And we were there for like, I feel like that was a week. I can't remember. It was so long ago. But it was so cool. And like, that's also too where I first like felt comfortable expressing my sexuality and like who I am. Um, I was still in the closet, but yeah. And then like, it, it was it was crazy because it's it, when I got back to Cranbrook, now my eyes are open. I can see all this shit. And it's like, once you see it, you can't go back. Like you, you see all of it for what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Empire had just came out and I'm seeing Jesse Smollett on Be Himself. And I'm like, oh, like, I wish I could do this. And like, just like living through that character. And I'm just mad at Jesse. I can't believe you. I can't. We'll talk about that. But at the time, you know, I was just it was a lot. That's that. That was the beginning of the of the beast. That was the beginning of the social warrior beast or social justice warrior beast that I became to be. I became a gladiator my sophomore year. But I just feel like I don't really talk about that experience because I don't really enjoy it. Like once I was my eyes were open to it. Um, all of the bullshit that I was going through, it wasn't enjoyable. And then it just was crazy because it's like the typical student was worried about just the basic social aspect of school and their grades. I was worried about that along with the racial tensions there, along with the microaggressions, along with looking up to teachers and then being educated on like how they were fucked up and then like not feeling comfortable to be able to go to a teacher when I felt some type of way because this was the viewpoint that they had. That's a lot for a teenager. That's a lot for anybody, but especially a child. I was a child. So I feel like I had to grow up like really fastly. And and I'd say this all the time. I just talked about this with Colin Matthew, but like a lot of people were so excited and like or, or really sad when graduation came because, you know, Oh, like we're not, we're going to different schools. I'm going to leave my friends. I was ready to get the fuck out of there. I was so happy that day. And my parents were like, what is wrong with you? Like, like why are you so, but I hated it. Like I, and, 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 mm-hmm. and when I say I hated it, I hated the social aspect amongst the student, the student body. I am grateful for the teachers that I did connect with. I am so grateful for the experiences and the preparation for college. Cause honestly, when I got to college after Cranbrook, college felt a little bit easier to be completely honest. Cause they were so hard on us for no reason. But I mean, mm-hmm. when I got to college, that shit was easy. Um, but it was just a lot. And I don't talk about it because I did not enjoy myself at all. People are like, oh, would you do high school again? Absolutely not. I do college again a hundred times over, but I would never do high school over again, ever. So I hope that answers that question. No, yeah. No, yeah, trust me. Yeah, I already know about your stories from Cranbrook. Also, quick little pub. Uh, Jay doesn't do this often, so I'll do it for him. Jay has a YouTube channel, JTube, and he has many videos where he's kind of describing during the time where he was in Cranbrook describing what it's like to be at Cranbrook. I know it's one video in particular that's kind of, you know, just being black. That's my most uh, viewed video. 
Yeah, being black yeah. in a private school. No, that yeah, video has so many hits. That video has so many hits to where like each year there's like a new black kid in a private school that'll comment and be like, Oh my god, like I feel the exact same way. Thank you for making this. Like and I never like making it back then, I was just expressing myself. I didn't realize the impact that it would have. And I'm just yeah. so grateful that like, you know, I could be a person to relate to people, even like in the years after me. And like, you know, now there's things that are put in place for them to be able to advocate for themselves and unite. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's dope. Yeah. Like, yeah, I already know. Yeah. Cranbrook, you kind of just bury that. Cause it's just, you know, like you said, it hasn't been the best experiences, but you know, obviously I don't, I don't know too much. You probably always had this in you, but I think Cranbrook probably was the most influential in this part of your life um, that you still carry in this, uh, your career being an actor uh i know you you we spoke about it here and there on the pod you spoke about it on your youtube channel you've even you know you, we've talked about it you talked with your friends about it but for the people who don't know um what made you choose acting as the as as the career path that you know that you knew in your heart that you wanted to do so i come from an entertainment family my dad is a rapper my mom sings you know, I got it honest. You know, we we're all entertainers. I, I, I feel like I watch like little home videos and me and my brother, me and Liddy would like be saying like, oh, this is our new show that we're on. We're doing this. So it's always been in us. But I know the specific moment that I wanted to be an actor was I was watching a show and it's on Nickelodeon. Well, it's not on anymore, I don't think, because they tried to revamp it, but it was either way. The show All That. It was like the first like sketch comedy mm. like taste that I ever got of anything. And I saw that shit and I'm like, I really fuck with this shit. And me and my brother do this anyway. Like I could do this shit. And so and specifically seeing the black people on there. So seeing Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell on there, like I got to shout out them. Like those are the first examples of black actors that I saw as a child. And I'm like, wow, like if they can do this shit, I definitely can do this. And so that from then on, mm. like I every time like a scene from different things would come on, like I'd make my brother, me and him would memorize the lines and like we'd do it in front of like different family members. And then at, in elementary school, there was like a drama club. And I think third grade, I joined the drama club and like I really fucked with that. And then at Cranbrook is when I really like buckled down and became serious and like developed my craft. Shout out to Dan Dubrovich. I'm gonna name drop a lot of people. Dan Dubrovich was <laughs> my... um theater teacher in high school he was my director and he saw that potential i mean he not only saw the potential but he saw the hunger in me to want to be a thespian and like you know i'm not just an actor but like i have deep theater roots like i have a, such respect for the stage and like what comes along with that and so like i know I, i've been doing this shit for years so i don't know i just have such a respect when it comes toward it but i think in high school is when i really like started like becoming serious i took acting classes in high school and then um yeah i auditioned for the plays i got i would get cat when i this is how i knew that i had it because i was doubting myself a little bit i'm like i know i've always wanted to do this but am i really good and i got cast in the musical i remember it was meet me in st louis i got cast i'm like damn because you got to be able to sing to be in a musical right and you have to be able to act and i'm like wow, like I got cast in this shit. Like, okay, I guess. This is it. <laughs> and then like, you know, I started developing and like d digging deep. And then I got to MSU 
Well, okay, so backtrack. So then, like, I used to see, too, like, a lot of the times in Cranbrook, a lot of people would get cast, and I'm like, were they really the best for that part? Like, I, I started to know, notice that the casting started to be a little mm. friendly. So I'm like, damn, like, I'm doubting myself again. I'm like, am I really good? And so then I got to MSU, and I know in college, they're not going to – you know, they have to, they're not finna bullshit you like you're either good or you're not because they're trying to prepare you for what the fuck you're about to do when you get into the real world. So when I auditioned for the BFA program at MSU and then I got into that, then I knew I was like, OK, I got the juice. And then there's like a couple other times, too, when I auditioned for Euphoria and I got that call back. Yeah, I got the juice. Like there's different moments mm-hmm. in my acting where I'm like, okay, yeah, I got it. Even shit, like even with auditioning for my agents and getting an agent, I'm like, yeah, I got the juice. If they can see it, like, you know, and part of it too is believing in yourself. If you don't think you're a good actor, then nobody's going to believe you're a good actor. You have to believe yourself for other people to believe you. So yeah. Right. That was a long winded way of asking that. No. Or answering that, but yeah. No, that's true. That's that's true as hell. Yeah. You, yeah, that's that's such an expressive career path too, you know, just to just to kind of have an upbringing where you're like, yeah, I know it's you you know you want to be you want to be an entertainer and then like being exposed to a lot of that stuff helps you like really focus on what you want to do. Um, but yeah. All right. That was just a good little snapshot of your of your upbringing, you know, how you came up, how you came to be. So let's fast forward a little bit. We talked. We already talked about your child. We talked about Cranbrook. Let's talk about Michigan State University. MSU your College. As soon as you graduated Cranbrook, went to MSU, man. Um, and yeah, you decided to stay local. You you stayed in the in the in the state that you know you grew up in. Um, you joined the theater program. Um, graduated uh, with a degree in acting. But that's not all you you did though. You 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 know you were very very active on campus outside of you know academics outside of you know um just your passion in general well this is part of your passion but just like your acting passion you were also like you you mentioned before like you came up with activist roots um so when msu came along um and then you were kind of thrusting onto a campus that probably had a a much bigger black presence than cranbrook did but at but at the same time very similar to cranbrook with uh, it being like a PWI, uh, a predominantly white institution, and a lot of those microaggressions kind of became macro, kind of became a little bigger now when you when you're when you're on a college campus, especially right. like MSU. So, yeah, just just kind I just kind of wanted you to talk about you know your your experiences being an activist. Um, I know you were part of the Black Student Alliance at Michigan State. Um, what did you guys do, and what was your contribution for all of that? Okay. So just my experience in general, I just want to say it was the best of times and the worst of times. If y'all know that author, mm-hmm. um, comment it down in the in the comment section. But um, <laughs> and I enjoyed everything that I did. I would do it all over again. I met some of my closest friends from that, like people that I call consider family. I've met from doing that. Um but yeah, like right when I got from Cranbrook, I'm like, okay. Or when I got to MSU, I'm like, this is just like Cranbrook, just on a bigger scale. But I already knew what to do because I was doing that shit in high school. So I'm like, okay, how do I support mm-hmm. the group here? How do I do that? And part of that was joining the Black Students Alliance. Um, I joined the eboard for that. And basically, the main objective that the Black Students Alliance has is to advocate for black students on, onto administration. So anything that like 
they are doing toward black people, we are advocating for them. Whether that's in the dorms, whether that is creating bills for our student government to protect black students, like that is our job to advocate for every black student, everyone. And that it, that can that comes along with its troubles too, because you have to advocate for everybody. I had to advocate for the homophobic niggas. I had to advocate for the niggas that did not see the beauty in their blackness because they're black. Like I have to advocate. That's my duty. Like you know service first so um it was it was it was definitely it was more of the same of what cranbrook was with like that stress of having to be a student and also having to be this role of the activist and the leader but it was a little bit easier because of there like what you said there was a bigger black population there so i had more people to lean on to which made it worthwhile and it still would have been worthwhile just because like that's just you know i always am going to stand up for somebody who you know can't stand up for themselves i hate a bully and fucking administration was a bully to black people to other minority groups they did not give a fuck and we were there to be like okay well you're about to give a fuck are you about to lose your job like you know and you guys have seen i don't know if you've heard about msu's history but niggas have been out of there so um and that's part of that's partially to the work that we've been doing um different things that uh we help with other affinity groups on campus um yeah and i think that was the coolest part of me too or coolest part of the experience too and being a student leader i feel like i became more open to other communities and i diversified my viewpoint onto like maybe like what the latinx community goes through uh, or the Asian Pacific American students go through. Like I was open to that being a student leader. So that was really enjoyable too. And it, it helped me become an even bigger activist because now I know what they're going through. I can be an ally. I can I can speak up. I know how to not just be a bystander, but what to do or what to say uh, for them when they're not in the room. And I know how to give them the space when they are in the room and make sure their voices are highlighted. So it was, it was, it's really cool. And it's been, it's it's a continuous journey i would just say like being an activist in general like i'm always learning new things even about the black community i'm still learning different things so yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah that's dope yeah that's dope man yeah you definitely you've done a lot at michigan state um and and you know i know you probably feel like it was it was probably heavy at certain points too especially in yeah, because you were still in 2020, because uh, you were still, you was going about to be a senior, uh, going into your senior year, where we had, like, just the most racial tension. Um, and then a and, pandemic. You, know, you kind of had to navigate that pandemic, mm-hmm. too. So a lot of that, you know, definitely, definitely kudos to you, man, because, you know, you fought through that and you you still, you know, kept your, kept your head on straight, man. Why, thank Was able to be an effective activist. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. I'm gonna turn the heat up a little bit. <laughs> I'm gonna turn the heat up a little bit. Give you some basic shit, but it's you know it, these are like I said these. I'm not trying to incriminate Jay or anything. This isn't gonna be too crazy or nothing. This is just just a little more you know pressure on it. Um, but this next one might not be that much pressure, but I do have to ask. Okay. You probably already seen this coming, but you know just just to give some insight, and this is very serious too. Um, I know growing up. You've had a very unique experience, unique to me, because, um, you know, like I didn't grow up 
feeling like I had, a, you know, uh, I, I don't, I didn't like, I'm not LGBT. So I didn't mm-hmm. grow up feeling like I was, I You're didn't belong kind of in, in a way I'm a straight, you know? <laughs> so I, you know, I know like since it's, you know, a norm and it's very common in, in the community that you represent. Um, I know you felt a, a whirlwind of emotions growing up. Um, and you know, when it was inevitably time to live in your truth and come out, like, can you give insight on what that feeling was? Or can you take yourself back to what that feeling was not knowing exactly like who you were yet? And then finally accepting who you were and sharing that viewpoint to your friends and family and loved ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is good. This might be a, this might be a little longer episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. a little um, bit, yeah. <laughs> so the first part of it was acceptance and not from anybody else, but from myself, I had to, for a lot of the time, like I was denying it. I'd even like be like, Oh, like mm-hmm. I'm bi just so it wouldn't seem like I was completely gay. Like, you know, I feel like this is the first year, like where I'm comfortable being like, Oh, I'm gay. And like it being recorded and like, not. Mm-hmm you know, stuttering, like that took time yeah. too. But like, I feel like first it was for me mm-hmm. and that was, it was tough. But then once I realized like, okay, it is what it is. This isn't going to change. You can only pray so much away. You can only do so much instead of accepting that God made me and accepts every part of me, how I am. At Once I did that, it was more so like a, I tried to sequence it out. So first Mm -hmm. was my friends. First was school. So first I was out at school and everything. And I let all of my friends know. And Darren was the last person that I let know because I was kind of nervous because Darren's like the most straight friend that I would say that I have. And so like I was like kind of nervous because like I've had in the past where like I'd be friends with straight people and I tell them about my sexuality and it'd be, it would change everything. They'd be like, oh, well, well, make sure you don't do this or make sure you do that. And it's funny because it's like, I'm not even checking for your fucking ugly ass. But whatever, you can say that. But <laughs> yeah, like it, it would just change the dynamic. But Darren, Darren's reaction, I say this all the time, but his, and I think I said this last season. Um, Sorry, I just got text message. Mm-hmm. I think I said this last season, but this is how I knew me, me and him were going to be really good friends. When I told him, or when I came out to him, he was like, well, I was waiting for you to tell me, like, I was waiting for you to say something. And I'm like, that's like the most like human, like normal reaction. Cause it almost wasn't a reaction. And that's what I loved about it. I'm like <laughs> that, 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 that simple non like, Oh, like, you know, not big reaction mm-hmm. made me feel the most normal. So kudos to you for, for that. But yeah, so first it was my course, friends and, you know, all the f- people that truly cared about me that were supposed to be there and that are still here today, it went well, obviously. So first it was my friends, then it was my siblings, um, and then my parents were last. So I'm going to go to my siblings. So I told my siblings, mm-hmm. but my siblings are not really good at keeping secrets. They... not that they would tell the secret, but sometimes they let different things slip. And so my sister had let it slip to my dad, but like this was a while ago, but my dad never addressed, didn't say anything. And then my brother had let it slip to them in high school. So this was like right before spring break. Yeah. Right before spring break or during spring break. Can't remember which. Um, 
I was supposed to visit Purdue with them and I got, they, 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 I was like, so, so I was riding home with them from Cranbrook and they're like, well, we need to have a talk when we get back to the crib. Um, and I'm like, oh, are we like planning the trip to Purdue or whatever? And they uh, basically were like, yeah, we know, like your siblings told us. And I'm like, I didn't know the situation. So for a while, like I had a lot of resentment toward my siblings. I was not fucking mm-hmm. with them. Like we were in the same house. I was cool. But like mm-hmm. I didn't tell them shit because it's like that is the one thing that I wanted to do myself. I wanted to come out to my parents myself. And the fact that that I was robbed from that, from from how I felt then, from my perspective, I didn't know how it all happened. I know how it went down. And so I thought they just, you know, just told them, I'm like, how the fuck could you do that? Like, if there's anybody that you're closer to, like closer than your friends, it's your siblings. Like, you know what I mean? So I just, I don't know. I felt very uncomfortable and like, I'm dealing with this and I'm also dealing with the shit at Cranbrook. And so like, I'm only so much, I can only deal with so much at a time without like breaking. So I decided Mm -hmm. to go back into the closet and pretend for my parents um, just because, you know, they're, you know, they're ministers and they did not understand at that point, like, this is who I am. And, it, and me as a kid, I didn't know how to advocate for myself fully because I'm still mm-hmm. accepting my sexuality. So went back in the closet mm-hmm. and then my freshman year of high school, um, I came out to the people on my floor And, you know, they were just really cool and supportive. And they were asking me, like, how my relationship is at home. And, like, we I remember one night we all spent the night in somebody's room. And we just, like, fucking just had, like, a deep-ass talk. And I, like, I brought that up. I'm, like, I just feel like I can't be myself. Like, I feel like I'm not living. Like, I feel like I'm living in another person's life. And, like, this is no way to live at all. Um, And, you know, I broke down. Like, I started crying. Cause I'm like, I, I can't live mm-hmm. the rest of my life like this. Like I felt like I can only be myself when, if my parents pass away and that's so fucking sad. Like I could only do that like with them gone and like, and then even still like they wouldn't even be able to accept that this is who I am. Like it was heart crushing. Um, and so mm-hmm. I made the decision that night. I'm like, fuck it. I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to be who the fuck I'm going to be. Um, and I called my parents and my parents, obviously they had a problem and I'm not going to go into too much detail. There's a video on my YouTube channel mm-hmm. about my coming out story. So if you really want to know, go watch that video. Um, so for, cause for sake of time, I'm not going to go into it, but it was, mm-hmm. um, it was a struggle for a while. And then, um, at one point, like my parents, they would call and like, be like, they would try to tell me stuff. And I'm like, look. I just put it plain and simple. I'm like, how would you feel if somebody kept calling you trying to negotiate your existence or the, 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 what's the word? Mm. Mm. Like they try, they try to like justify, like what if somebody cr- tried to call you every day, ju- mm-hmm. every day just to justify your existence? Wouldn't that wear away at you? Yeah. yeah. And then put your, put mm-hmm. what if it was your parents that was doing that? My parent, I love my parents so much. Mm. Those are the two people that brought me into this world. And the fact that mm. I'm having to negotiate my existence as who I am with them, I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm not going to do this with you. 
And if we're going to continue to have a healthy relationship, this has to stop. You don't have to agree with who I sleep with with anything. But what you will do is respect me and accept who I am. And if you can't do that, we don't have to talk. We don't have to be cool. That would break my heart. But that's what it's got to be. Because at the end of the day, like I can't not live for somebody else to be in somebody else's, you know. And, you know, each year since I've come out, I've gotten stronger and more queer and more. And I've learned more about my community, which has made me even more proud of who I am. And shit, when when it comes to pride, I am one of the most prideful people. I did a whole pride photo shoot on my Instagram. Go check it out because I'm so proud to be able to live to be who I am and to express who I am. There are certain countries where it's illegal just to be who you are. And that is just so sad to me. So the fact that I get to do that, mm-hmm. I don't take it for granted. It's such a privilege. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's deep, man. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I just I, I can't really, obviously I, I uh, sympathize, but I, I can't. You know, I don't really know the extent to how, what you had to go through, you know, coming up and just like fi- really like just just developing your identity. And like like I said, living in your truth. And, you know, you probably had a lot of a lot of it was like a lot of roller coasters to get to the point that you are now. So I do want to take the time to say, man, I'm I'm very, very proud of you, man. Like you come such a long way and, and now you're here and super gay and super proud and <laughs> it's I'm fucking unstoppable watch. now i just want to let me pat myself on the back because <laughs> I, I i and yeah, i don't man, i try to be very humble because that is also a part of my upbringing my parents taught me to be very humble and you know but mm-hmm. i don't brag on myself a lot like i'm the fucking shit mm-hmm. like bro, like even when it comes to this activist shit like my program so siloed off and there was so anti-blackness so much anti-blackness and little microaggressions and my senior year i didn't have to do this i was graduating but i spent my senior year fucking tearing that apartment department apart and putting them showing them the shit in their face and i'm like what are you going to do about it because i'm not going to do this about it and there's Mm -hmm. other black students that are coming and they're going to have to deal with this bullshit and i will be damned if i leave this shit like Mm -hmm. this and you know because mm-hmm. of the work that I did, they paid me for what the fuck was due. MSU owes me a lot of checks, but they paid me for it. Mm-hmm. Like I got the outstanding senior award for for my department, and I, I, there was monetary value to that, and that was nice. I really did appreciate that. I'm like about fucking time check for all the shit I've been putting up with. But <laughs> yeah, like I, I want to pat myself on the back. Like like a lot of the stuff yeah, that fact. I've you gone should. through. Like and there's like and this is just surface level of what I'm talking about. We can go deep into this shit, but a lot of the stuff that I have gone through Mm. would break the average person. I'm actually surprised that I'm still here. You know what I mean? And I'm thankful that I am Mm -hmm. still here. So yeah, I just got to thank God for that. God's always had my no matter what happens in my life. I don't know what you believe, but God has always had my back. My back when I thought it was over god's like it's not over keep going this this isn't shit to what you're about to go through like this is just preparing you for it so yeah Mm -hmm. that's a perfect segue actually because my next question i guess might be a little tricky but you kind of answered it but i know you have more thoughts on it (laughs) religion you say you grew up as a preacher's kid but I know you 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 kind of see there's there's irony in that as well. I would say that a lot of the driving force 
of a lot of discrimination like stems from religion, specifically Christianity. So, you know, I, you know, seeing that a lot of the malice comes from religion um, that you, you know, you kind of were, you kind of were forced upon or, you know, you grew up worshiping. And then over the years of you settling into your identity and the role you play in protecting and displaying your personhood, like being black too. Cause you know, a lot of the Bible justified a lot of slavery uh, and the Bible justifies a lot of violence in the, in the homophobic community. So like you displaying that personhood and being black and being gay and proud of to be both. I know you already said that you do believe in God, but do you really subscribe to Christianity or any or any religion for that matter for the way it is and um and you know kind of discovering that about yourself how was it navigating if or if not how was it navigating in your household a heavily religious household um that's a really good question so let me just start with like religion in general so I like to think of it like this religion is man-made but being a Christian is not. And I think mm -hmm. that's where the problem comes. These man-made things and you have to do this and you have to do this or I'm judging this. When it's like the Bible that you're preaching from says not to judge one another and to treat everybody with brotherly love. So it's like, how are you? People will try to privately interpret the Bible to profit or promote their propaganda. And it's it's really sad because it's like, that's not what it's supposed to be used for. And then I think too, like a lot of people don't realize mm -hmm. that like whatever you believe in, that is supposed to be your own personal journey with God. What I eat does not make Darren Allen shit at all. So it's like, mm -hmm. why am I worried about somebody else's walk with God? Why are you worried about mine? Mm -hmm. Stay in your lane. You do you and I'm gonna do me. And I think that's what's honestly kept me with like the Christian principles that I stand by because I see it as a indiv uh, individualistic journey. I don't think that it's like, oh, like there's this set of rules. There's this, we're human. God knows that we're going to fuck up and we're going to do things, but God's also a forgiving person. And if God can forgive me for all the shit that I do and has so much love for me, who the fuck are you to be like, oh, like you can't do that or you can't do that. And half the time, the people that are so judgmental and, you know, having like the 10th degree on people, you should open the closet and see what the fuck they're doing. Niggas be fucking touching mm. kids and fucking killing people and shit mm. like that. But are so fucking judgmental, you know, especially in the black community. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So that. Oh, yeah. That, that's how I feel about that. Um, and and mm -hmm. I, as I've gotten older, like, you know, because religion is man-made and there are some good parts of religion, I take everything with a grain of salt. And I've also opened myself up to different religions and seeing what they've say, seeing what they say, because, you know, I feel like everybody's got it a little bit right. And like, you know, there mm -hmm. can be good things from all things. But the one thing that I do know is, or that I do believe is that there's one God. And as long as I have my own personal relationship with him, fuck what everybody else is saying. It doesn't matter. God's got me at the end of the day. Um, and then growing up in that type of household, um, I don't know, because when my parents became ministers, it definitely became like more about appearances. And I felt like I couldn't 
I, it just felt like a big restriction. And like there were times where like we would have like Bible study and I did not want to go. Like I just did not feel comfortable because I felt mm-hmm. like if I said something or if I had a certain opinion, not even because of my parents, but because one of the motherfuckers in the Bible study would have a feel a way about it or talk shit about whatever. And I just did not like all of that pressure. There's just been so much pressure my whole fucking life. Um, and so like, I'm really thankful mm-hmm. that I did go to college and like was able to release a lot of that pressure. And I feel like I'm still releasing some of the pressure, but you know, I feel like as the time goes on, I give a fuck even less. And so it doesn't matter. It becomes less pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a constant experience. Yeah. It's, it's, it's never ending. You know, it's a lot of wrestle. It's a lot to wrestle with with religion especially christianity you know it's like kind of just a lot of black people grow up christians uh and and then once you actually become who you are you realize that a lot of the teachings that you came up on like directly oppose what you stand for sorry about that y'all i know you probably heard a big jump and uh what the audio is or the video is we experiencing some technical difficulties and a little bit of internet connectivity issues but at&t you know about to see me oh okay. man you see <laughs> you know got this nigga pissed but you know we're gonna make it work um yeah so just moving on uh just to keep the keep the show going wanted to ask a less heavy question but a little more invasive uh <laughs> but still but you know we've all had it especially at this age by now but the people want to know you keep a pretty calm demeanor most of the time but certain niggas know you can pop off <laughs> and many of us know how challenging it can be to be romantically involved i guess like you say in this generation the dating pool got pee in it it does so i wanted to ask you to be as honest as possible tell us about a time where you got your heart broken and how did you react and what did you learn from that? Can I not name names or do you want me no, to? No, yeah, well, yeah, no, no, no names, no names. Just just tell your experience and what you learned from it. Okay. Oh, this is a different <laughs> <laughs> than the one because I always talk about that other shit. This one's deep. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um the year 2022 or no 2020 i'm like damn i'm like nigga, it's fucking 18 days in you got your heart bro <laughs> yeah it just happened a couple days ago bro like the niggas still they stay playing with me no nah, nah. <laughs> nobody can play with me after this what happened but. yeah fuck that um so yeah it was 2020 and i had been talking to this guy and me and this guy have history right Um, I've known him since my freshman year of college and I always thought that he was like pretty cute, but I'm like, nah, this guy's straight. But then like, as the years go on, there's like certain things. I have a gaydar and my gaydar was picking up certain things, but I'm like, nah, (laughs) let me just leave it alone. Mm -hmm. What the, what the dad say on Friday? Leave him alone. Nah, let him be a man. Leave him Mm -hmm. alone. Let him be a straight. Yeah, leave him alone. So, Yeah. So I'm just like dismissing it. And then it was very apparent because it was like we had did like a scene in class. And in this scene, we had to be very intimate. Let's we're jumping to my junior year. Mm-hmm. In this scene, we had to be intimate. 
And we got very, very fucking intimate in the scene to make it believable, of course. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'm like, am I like tripping? And so I talked to my homeboy about it. I'm like, I don't know. I think that. And he's like, no, you're doing the thing that all people do when they have like a love scene with somebody. You fall for the person, but it's just the emotions from the scene. Like, don't let the emotions from the scene get to you. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Fuck it. Nope. (laughs) And then, so we're like rehearsing the scenes or whatever. And he, like, we were talking about something, but either way, it became very apparent that he was into guys too. So I'm like, maybe I was not too far off Mm -mm. and so like we've been like flirting a little bit and stuff like that but like he always been like like we would flirt and then he would like act oblivious so i'm like okay fuck you like okay you don't you're not picking up what i'm putting down fuck you it doesn't matter whatever and so then I like just ignored him for like a month because you know I can't nobody ignore like me if I'm saying I'm fucking done I'm fucking done so I did not mm-hmm. talk to him for a month then I finally decided to talk to him and he was like you know it's so funny when I do that to people because when I start talking to them they're like oh my god you're talking to me to me like yeah you mm-hmm. I'm fucking talking to you <laughs> but yeah everything was cool and like right before Thanksgiving I was gonna tell him like hey like I'm really feeling you I've been feeling you since the scene and I told him right. He had a fucking girlfriend. I'm like, ah, I feel like such an ass. I'm like, forget it. I I, I take it back. I'm sorry. He's like, no, don't worry. It's fine. We're cool. We're cool. I'm like, okay. So I be friends with him. He breaks up with the girlfriend and we started talking in the summer. And I'm like, huh, maybe we're back on. Maybe this is a possibility. And then I went to his apartment and then we like were catching up and then we hooked up and I'm like, okay, this is definitely a possibility. We just fucking hooked up and we did not <laughs> expect to do it. I just guess like the sexual tension was there and it, it fucking happened. And then, um, what else? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to piece together the timeline. So from there, yes, oh, so then right after that situation, my dumbass, I was so dumb back then. <laughs> <laughs> he ghosted me right after because he's like i don't know like i feel like we shouldn't have did that so he ghosted me and i'm like i took it for like a for a week i'm like okay fine he can ghost me and then i message i'm like hey like we were friends before this you're not about to just ghost me let's talk and so mm-hmm. we talked about it and we we're like okay we probably shouldn't cross that line again but like we were still hanging out with each other. It was basically like we were fucking dating. We basically were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, we would like That's go I, out I with each other. We would, we would see different things. We would go to the movies. We would go shopping and everything. He like my I was releasing my EP then, so he was helping me with different stuff. Invited him to the fucking stew. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> nigga uh, with us, and like it was like. <laughs> But, like, at that time where we were in the stew, I'm like, yeah, let me not, like, read too much into it. Let me just play dumb. Let me play my role. And, like, we went to the mall one day and we were watching. We went to the mall and everything. And then we got back and we were watching Lovecraft Country. And then we played footsies and footsies led to fucking. And... (laughs) (laughs) What? Footsies lead to fucking. Okay. <laughs> it does. Yeah, don't play footsies with people when you're an adult. That shit is yeah, cool yeah, when you're a kid. Do don't don't do that when you're an adult. Because footsies <laughs> lead to fucking. It'll lead to some shit. And then like 
we did it consistently. Like we kept have we kept doing that, and then, um, yeah, we kept doing it, and then like I noticed myself like catching feelings because it's like we're doing like we're basically dating and we're having sex. So like you know why wouldn't we catch feelings? And so it becomes so then Halloween hits and he goes back to where he's from and I don't hear from him for a while and I'm like hmm are things weird because we had sex right before he left to go back home and I'm like is everything okay like I'm not hearing from him and then I finally hear from him and then he's like he hits me with the oh like I've just been really busy but when we get back we'll hang out he gets back to campus he's like yeah I'm pretty much gonna be busy for the rest of the fucking semester because of finals and stuff I'm like you're busy for the rest of the semester mind you it's October semester ends in December so I'm like you're gonna be busy for the rest of the semester like Mm-mm-mm. like that's when I first knew like something was up and then after election day he talks he he calls me finally and we like talk and I'm like wow like so October to November look think about how much time that is um, but I'm still like hanging on thinking like, okay, like maybe like something's different. I I don't know what was happening to this day at the time. I thought he was fucking somebody else, but it doesn't matter now. It, it doesn't. Um, and then, um, so after that, he's like, yeah, I don't think we should have sex anymore. And I'm like, where's this coming from? He was like, I don't know. I just guess that like, I've always felt this way. And so it, yeah, I just think we should stop. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we can stop. And then, like, I hit him up on Thanksgiving, and I was like, hey, like, I miss you. I haven't heard from you. And he's like, thanks. And I'm like, I just told you I missed you. Hit me with the thanks. Okay. Okay, cool. Ooh, Whatever. Um, and I didn't hear from him after Thanksgiving. He go- completely ghosted me. Mm-hmm. And... It was so sad. I felt so weak. And Darren was there the whole time helping me through it. He was. Because Darren is, I don't think that Darren is that bad of a person, but I feel like some of the things that the person I was dealing with did, Darren has done. So he knew the (laughs) mindset. So I kind of like had the upper hand a little bit, but like my heart was involved. And that was the mistake that I made, getting my heart involved. And it just hurt because it was like that was the first time like I talk all the time about like me being, you know, free to express myself and me being myself. And I'd never been in a relationship at all. Like a lots of my friends were dating people in high school and stuff. I'd never had that. This was the first time that I had something like that. And it was shitty. Like it, I, I got my heart broken and it fucking sucked. Um I wasn't good for like a while. I haven't like talked to another person. Um, I don't give a fuck. I, I'm gonna say his name. No, I'm not gonna say. It. I, it's Moranis. We'll talk. I I even got involved with another person <laughs> whose name Moranis. <laughs> I just realized what you just did, nigga. Said Moranis. But oh, the entire man. time, it was always the other guy. Like I was doing that as a rebound. Like. And I feel like I didn't fully get over him. So then we started talking. Um, like we got back cool, like toward like the spring semester, but like it wasn't gonna like there was like still tension there, but like it wasn't gonna be anything just because it's like there had been so much damage and I had been put through so much to where 
I just couldn't put myself, I could not, I was in a dark place. I felt so weak. Like I'm an Aries and you would not believe that I was an Aries at that time. I was literally so like it was, I was losing weight because I was so stressed over the situation. And like, I will never let nobody's son ever put me in that situation ever again. And I realized that like, you know, it's made me see the red flags in life and I'm very, cautious now i would say but i also can tend to be pretty hard because of my first heartbreak and darren's like don't be a prisoner of the moment jay like just ride the wave everybody's not going to be like how he was so yeah that was my first heartbreak way to damper the fucking mood with that question (laughs) (laughs) no you know just had to everybody everybody has gotten their heart broken everybody has broken some hearts whether they like to believe it or not you know uh, and it's it's good to hear, you know, your perspective on it. But, you know, uh, yeah, those were like the heavy questions. Like I got some rapid fire questions. I do want to okay. ask you. You can ask you can answer them pretty quickly. You don't have to have too much. You don't have to think too much about them. But got it. All right. First question. If you were arrested, what do you think your friends would say it was for? <laughs> <laughs> um, Probably like a protest. I probably was protesting somewhere and I got arrested. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. All right. Next question. When was the last time you got into a fight and what was it over? Like a physical fight or just like a fight in general? It could be physical, verbal. doesn't matter. Okay. So the last Last verbal fight I got in was with you and Sierra and that was about podcast shit. Um, (laughs) Wow. Really? Really? Wow. I remember that. I remember that. That was the last verbal fight. Shout out to Sierra. Shout out to Sierra. I love you, girl. The last um, physical fight that I got into, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I fight with my mouth, but I can't. I got them bitches too, so don't try it. I did take karate. <laughs> I did take. He karate. said, "Y'all better not fucking try don't, me." Don't don't think. Um, I can't remember the last physical fight I got into. Mm-hmm. I try not to. I try to. I'm a very logical person. My. Um, Rising as Taurus, I try to be very practical, and so I'll use my words. I will outwit you first before I put my hands on you. Okay. Good, good, good. All right, next one. Uh, Who are your top three most inspiring figures or people in your life? Beyonce, God, and, ooh, number three. Huh, Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick. Yeah, rest in peace to Chadwick, man. Rest in a peace. Legend. A legend. All right, last question. What is some advice you can give to allies who want to be more helpful and welcoming to the LGBTQ community? Um, Don't call yourself an ally. That is a term that is given to you. So don't be like, oh, I'm an ally. Somebody makes you an ally. And mm-hmm. I don't know, don't other your friends, don't other the LGBT people. You don't make a big deal out of someone's straight sexuality. So why are you extra emphasizing somebody's LGBT um, society? Like try to like check your heteronormativity thing. And heteronormativity is basically like the normativeness of heterosexuality and how you view things like we view things as very binary boy girl this and that that's hetero- that's heteronormative so if you see yourself doing that in situations try to check it and be like how can i make this more inclusive and opening to everybody else and that would be my advice 
perfect, perfect. All right. And there you have it. An evening at Jay's Palace. <laughs> Is that what we're naming this episode? I think I just came up with that at the top of my head. But well, um, I don't know. I'm I'm spinning on that one. We'll think of something. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that was those were the questions I had. Good job, you know. You know, you know, I had to had to give you a little bit, you know, little intro questions, you know, lead into the big ah. Tell the us hardest you one, your heart, bro. The hardest. I had some more, but I had that, but I cut them because, like, reading them back, I'm just like, uh, maybe, maybe not ask them. But I'll, I'll tell you. But I'll tell you, once we don't record, and I'll tell you the questions I was. Yeah, because I am but... curious. I'm like, what the fuck was you about to say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, so our game moving on. Uh, out of the prime time, you answered your questions. Great. Uh, so our game. Uh, we haven't done this at all this season. I don't think at, at all. all this season. But you know, this was pretty popular last season, so you know we're bringing it back. You know, last week we did Darren's dope dabbles, so you know it's only right for Jay's interview. We bring back Jay's sleepers. So Jay, I'm gonna hand it over to you. Tell us what you've been listening to. Oh my God! So if you know me, you know I love all music. Uh, Darren's a rap connoisseur. I am a music connoisseur, <laughs> and I don't care what time or decade that the song is from. If it's good, I'm gonna bump the shit. I can't make the music not pop. So with that being said, my first sleeper is Dream a Little Dream. This is Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong from the Cheek to Cheek album, the complete mm-hmm. duet recordings. Um, this is jazz at its finest. This is 1950s if you're feeling a little like soulful, like sensual date night, rooftop dinner. Mm-hmm. Dream a Little Dream of Me is the perfect song to play at that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's my mm-hmm. first sleeper. Second Sleeper is an EP. I don't know if y'all know who Ant Clemens is. He is an R&B and soul mm-hmm. singer. He just released mm-hmm. an EP. It's called Foreplay. And let me just tell you, all of those songs I've added to my sex playlist because <laughs> they will make you, they it's will like put that. you in them feelings. They're, they're right there. My personal favorites from the EP, it's only four songs, but my personal favorites are Head Over Heels, In Between, and Come With Me. I would say if I would have to pick a favorite, it'd be In Between. In Between is probably my favorite. All right. Mm. And then I will do one more sleeper. Let's see. Let me look in here. I'm looking through my playlist. Oh, Moonchild. Love Moonchild as as a band. They're so good. They're mm-hmm. also an R and B and soul band. Um, Darren, you familiar with Moonchild, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I'm already it. Mm-hmm. So they have a new album coming out uh, in February, but they released some singles already. My favorite single that they released so far is "Too Good." Uh, I just love Amber Navrin's vocals. They're so sensual. She's the lead singer. And my favorite top song by Moonchild is Cure. And a fun, funny story about Cure. So when I first heard that song, I was in Jerusalem. And there was this waiter that I just, oh, like we connected. And I'm like, oh, you're living in Israel. And like, there's nothing I can do. And I just was in the bar, um, just like sitting there moping. And then this fucking song comes on. And I'm like what is this song? Who is this band? And like, I got the song and that was back in 2018. Been with Moonchild ever since. So those are my sleepers. Check them all out. They are all on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you stream music, those songs should be there. So yeah, those are my sleepers. Boom. There we go. 
good sleepers good sleep great sleepers yeah y'all check all those out check all those songs out man those, those are some top songs for sure um i'm definitely gonna be, actually yeah i'm gonna i might get my r&b back tonight i don't know how i'm feeling it's supposed to be wine you can never go wrong with r&b you can never go wrong. never can go wrong with r&b hell no but all right lastly jay um I know you made me do this last episode, so I'm going to make you do this now. Uh, final words. Your final words, man. You know, you, you've answered quite a number of questions, gave some insight on who you are, why you are the way you are, and, you know, why you do the things that you do. And, you know, you know, it's a lot. You had to open up your heart, even though you did mention it was broken not too long ago. But, <laughs> <laughs> but. But yeah, yeah, just uh just some final words for the listeners and the viewers just uh, you know, after all after all we you know talked about today. Um final words. I would say that I've been saying this a lot, but like none of this shit fucking matters. The likes that you get on Instagram or who is thinking about this about you or none of this shit matters at all. So you might as well, if you only have one life, live it to the fucking fullest, be as happy as you possibly can be yourself and don't fuck with other people's happiness. Simply put. And that's, that's, that's all I got to say. Those are my last words. Great last words. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, man. And there we have words, it. Not last words. Last words make it seem like I'm dying. My final words. Yeah. <laughs> final words. We'll say final. Uh, yeah. But yeah, shit. Good episode, man. Episode yeah. four, season two, man. You know, Jay's interview. We got now. Bro, we know we're more about your We're on episode four already. I know this season's about to go by real quick. We got some. We got some real hitters. We're going back to standard next week and we have actually some pretty good topics you know to talk about just to get back into the rhythm i know a lot of you missed the standard episodes too um but yeah you know don't worry they're coming yeah this back. is great they're coming yes. back but yes this was episode four uh as episode always four. you can follow episode four as always you can follow me on instagram twitter at ned saturn n-e-d-s-a-t-u-r-n and where can they follow, follow me you can follow me i follow back well i might you can follow me at j underscore good in 98 and that's where i live and then you can follow the podcast the experience underscore pod on instagram and twitter if you have suggestions on different things that we should do or talk about hit those inboxes and not our personal ones and we mm-hmm. just might talk about it um oh, and yeah. then subscribe to our youtube channel hopefully i don't know with mm. internet shit Hopefully we're visual this week. <laughs> Hopefully you see my reaction, but um, I don't know. But Anything by, if, by a the lot chance of that we are, still subscribe to the channel. You can see what we looked like last week when we did uh, Darren's interview. And mm-hmm. yeah, anything else you got to say? Yeah. No, that's it, Thanks man. I'm good. Coming. Thanks for yep, coming. There we we'll go. see you next week. Episode four. Yep. Wow, episode five. We're almost halfway. Wow, holy shit! Yeah, we're, we're close. We're close. We're real close. Yeah, yeah. but all right, y'all, man. Thanks for listening. Peace out. <laughs>